Hello, welcome back to The Dark Side. This week, Steph and I are concluding our discussion on the wild case surrounding Travis Alexander and Jody Arias. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and do that. We've got so much to talk about, so let's dive right in with a quick recap. Last week, we heard the 911 call Travis's friends made. We talked about Jody and Travis's lives. We went through their lives growing up, what sort of lives they led prior to meeting, and then the wild ride they were on while they were sometimes dating, but usually not dating, but always communicating. We talked about the investigation, including Jody's interrogation and the timeline of events leading up to Travis's death. And of course, we looked at important details through an astrological lens, because why not? When we left off, Jody was looking real mousy with her dumb bangs and church clothes, especially after she attempted to, but brutally failed at, defending herself in a first-degree murder trial with the death penalty on the table. Her defense counsel was reinstated, and our story continues. So in the opening arguments on January 2nd, 2013, prosecution said they were going to seek the death penalty. And Jody's counsel argued that Travis's death was a justifiable homicide committed in self-defense. And that's what they were going with. That is for real the story they were going to stick to. He he looked really aggressive in that last photo of him. You know, yeah, he Super. looks like he's like maybe like trying to be like sexy. He's in his GQ. Or he's scared or like, oh, that's right. Yeah. If you've ever read GQ or Men's Health, I might look familiar to you. Sixteen and a half inch biceps mean anything? Cause like, can you say triathlete? <laughs> Sorry, Travis. It's just gross. <laughs> so maybe we just don't understand the MySpace flair, but mm. I've ah. Uh... I don't know. I'm glad that we weren't in the MySpace age. We just made Pixo sites. We were too. We were missed that. We just did. By, yeah, Facebook, yeah. by the time we were like, hey, let's get into social media, Facebook had just come yeah. out. So we were like, all right. All right. So the trial's going on, you know. The prosecution is like, man, we're seeking that death penalty. And the defense is like, no, it was justified. It was a justified homicide. So the first person they put up there was Ryan Burns, which is the guy that she went to see in Salt Lake City. And he testified that when Jody visited him in Utah, the two spent several hours making out on a beanbag chair. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so we went from 20, 2008 to about 1978. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to before Jody was born. <laughs> bag chair nothing gets you going like that crunchy little seat (laughs) jody told ryan that she had cut her hands on broken glass while working at margaritaville but a detective testified that no restaurant named margaritaville had ever existed in the wairika area and it was proven that she was working at a restaurant (laughs) called casa romo's at the time that's funny so jody later testified that after she cut her hands, she had a bazillion margaritas to make. So she probably just, you know, said. That's probably just why she said that. I had a whole, I cut my hands and then I had a bunch of margaritas to make. So I probably just said Margaritaville. Oh, my God. But do you know what I was thinking? Niagara Falls? Yes. There's yeah. photos of. I mean, I don't, I think it's on the American side, but maybe there's a Margaritaville there. But either way, her and Travis did go to Margarita, to uh, Niagara Falls, where there's yeah. a Margaritaville. Yeah. So maybe that's where she had heard of it. She probably did. If or it's maybe not she was a huge over there. Jimmy Buffett fan. I don't know. 
But they were like, yeah, there's no Margaritaville here. She's even work at What's one. What's that? <laughs> she was like, oh, well, yeah, I just had to bake a bunch. So that's probably why I said it. <laughs> Come on, Jody. She doesn't try very hard. No. So Daryl, her ex, took the stand on day 10 of the trial and testified in Jody's defense, claiming the person that he knew was not capable of committing murder, let alone one as heinous as what happened to Travis. He gave testimony about his relationship with Jody, where he explained that he met her in 2001 and they were both co-workers at Ventana Big Sur. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Ventana Big Sur. <laughs> they eventually started a romantic relationship, and at one point, Jody even lived with Daryl and his son, but they split up in 2006 and remained friends. 2006 is when Jody met Travis, but Daryl said that he never met Travis and he was unaware of their relationship. A couple weeks before... That's weird. I know. A couple weeks before Travis's murder, Daryl said Jody called to ask him for gas cans for an upcoming trip to Mesa. Now, remember, at the time, she was telling everyone else. <laughs> Get that. <laughs> Is it chapstick? That's vital. Mm. Lip smackers. Is that from the Christmas ball? Mm-hmm. It's gingerbread cheesecake. Nice. Anyway. Okay. Now, remember, at the time, at that time, she was telling everyone else that she was going on a trip to Utah. And he also claimed that she called him the day after Travis's death. And she was sounding incredibly distraught. The prosecution argued this pointed towards premeditation. Jody bought the gas cans to try to avoid being recorded on gas station security cameras and to avoid leaving a paper trail as she drove to Mesa. It's so odd how she could, like, come up with something intelligent like that with her plan. I think it's because she premeditated for a long time. Yeah. And if you notice I said that she bought the gas cans, it's because sometimes it's reported that she bought gas cans from Walmart and filled them up with gas to put in her trunk. And then other times it's said that she called Daryl just to ask for them. Hmm. So I'm not sure if she got the gas cans previously from walmart or if daryl ended up giving them to her but i think she called daryl and asked for them and didn't get them because like at this point he he lived so far away from her yeah and i think she did end up buying them from walmart so regardless mm -hmm. she was never caught on surveillance tape anywhere filling up on gas hmm. so she absolutely yeah. did get her hands on gas cans and did keep him in a chunk to fill up so she didn't have to stop. Which further hammers home why she would dye her hair in case something happened and she did have to stop or she was recorded. Mm -hmm. She wasn't blonde anymore. And it just further confirms her guilt. And her premeditation. Yep. So that's why they had, uh, they wanted Daryl to talk about the gas cans because the prosecution wanted to use that. To be like, she was even thinking about getting gas cans. Like she was premeditating. Mm -hmm. And this was... When she asked Daryl about it, it was weeks before Travis's murder. And she had told him she's going to go to Mesa. And she was telling everyone else she was going to Utah. So even though she's trying to premeditate, she can't keep her story straight. No. So the defense filed for a mistrial for the first time after Esteban Flores, the lead detective on the case, allegedly perjured himself on the stand 
because they said that he gave inaccurate details about Travis's cause of death and autopsy findings, but it was denied and the trial continued. Jodie took the stand in her own defense on February 4th. Oh my god, today's February 4th. Oh yeah, that's weird. Huh, I keep doing this. Yep. That's weird. I do this so often. That must be a sign. Where I'm talking. What was the... It was like the Mad Slasher maybe? Yeah, there was one that you were like... There was a, there's been a you couple. You said the day and you were like, oh my god, that's literally today that we're recording. It's happened a couple times. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Mm. I agree. It's... Yeah. Damn, son. Is my uh, Saturn making a return? <laughs> well, <laughs> you're turning 27 this year. I'm turning 28. Oh, my God. You're turning 28 this year. I'm getting old. Um, I'm going to make it out of the 27. We're reaching that point where you forget how old people are, I guess. Like, how old are you turning again? But see, you're turning 28. Saturn's in Aquarius right now. Mm-hmm. Your Saturn's in Pisces. It's coming. Oh. Is that the only water I have? No, I have a Scorpio. Scorpio Jupiter. Is it Jupiter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is Jupiter. Mm-hmm. No cancer. Thank God. Scorpio Jupiter. And Pisces Saturn. I'm mostly air, though, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm a balanced air Earth. You're the least water. Yeah, for sure. Pretty much a Gemini. <laughs> most most Gemini heavy. You also have a Gemini cluster, like Jody and, and Travis <laughs> do. <laughs> Thank God you didn't meet them. They probably would have tried to bring you into it. Did you hear that, Dyson? <laughs> Gemini cluster. <laughs> Gemini cluster. <laughs> do you well, ever... We both have a... We both share Mars. Aries Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to get us. You don't have a Gemini cluster. <laughs> oh, my God. If someone compared me to Jody for real, I think I would I think I think would stab them in the heart and shoot them in the head and then stab them 30 times and then slit their jugular in the carotid artery. <laughs> Tyson signaling for help here. <laughs> Did you do this? Yeah. Get that TikTok bullshit out of here. No, I actually love that. It's a great thing. Okay, so yes. So uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, what is that, nine years ago? Nine years ago today, Jody took the stand, testifying for a total of 18 days. She testified for 18 days. Yeah, the first mistake was taking the stand. The second mistake was continuing to stay on the stand, and the no more excuses of a mistake is staying on the stand for 18 days. She's so overconfident. She's incredibly confident that she believes it. So everyone else has to believe it. On the first day of her testimony, Jody talked about being violently abused by her parents from the age of seven. She testified that she had rented a car from Budget Rent-A-Car in Reading because their website provided multiple options. One to the north and one to the south. Plus her brother lived in Reading. I don't really know what that means, one to the north and one to the south, but she has an excuse for everything is the point. Yeah. On her second day, Jody testified about Travis's sexual proclivities and still refused to give up the rapist pedophile accusation. She said Travis preferred oral and anal sex, and she called it sodomy, 
which makes it so much worse mm-hmm. if you call it sodomy, which is what she on the stand kept calling it. Yeah, that because that implies a certain rape. Yeah, it implies like I didn't consent to this, I didn't enjoy it, and she kept calling it sodomy, where there's never any sort of proof that she wasn't down. So she said the sodomy was painful, but she went with it because Travis believed these sexual acts didn't break Mormon rules. Jody said that she and Travis eventually had vaginal sex, but not as much as sodomy. She testified that Travis harbored pedophilic desires for children, stating one day she walked in on him masturbating to pictures of underage boys, and another time he had mailed her a pair of boys' underwear for her to wear for him. What the fuck? She could not prove any of this, but she swears it's true. And she tried to help him with her with his urges, claiming she endlessly told him to get professional help. So the defense was like, it's true. It's really true. And we'll play you this phone call. So they played this recorded phone sex tape that Jody had secretly recorded where Travis says, and it is true. He did say this. Oh, no. The way you moan sounds like a 12-year-old girl having her first orgasm. It's so hot. Throw them in the trash. That's really icky. So it doesn't really help because he did say that. That's, yeah. But the prosecution, so that's what the defense played. Like, look, listen to this. It's disgusting. Oh, my God. And then the prosecution was like, we have that same tape, but let us play it for you in full. Because the defense cherry-picked what parts to play so that when the whole thing was played, it showed that Jody went along with everything and never seemed grossed out by what Travis was saying and didn't think any of it was quote-unquote pedophilic like she was trying to say. Mm-hmm. And it is gross, like a 12-year-old girl. Like, that's gross. Yeah. So it doesn't help him. But to say, like, I knew it was wrong and he had these gross urges and I tried to help him. But then they played the whole call and they were like, you went along with it. Yeah. You weren't repulsed by it. So stop. They probably also they probably also had no choice but to play the whole thing to not to to it's, it is a tough situation. He is talking about sounding like a young girl. So mm-hmm. they were probably like, well, we can't run away from this. So let's just play it in its entirety and show that. Even though it is not helpful, Jody still went along with it. Yeah. So and she can't try and throw him under the bus with it when she was in the same boat. Yeah. And to further hit home, like, she's not honest. She isn't honest. And she's talking about all this nasty stuff about little boys and what he, the stuff that he preferred to have his personal time with. <laughs> the forensic experts later testified that there wasn't any pornographic material found on Travis's computer. So. That well, at least kind of works in his favor, where Jody's trying to say, like, he was into disgusting shit. And uh, Jody said her relationship with Travis was becoming increasingly abusive, abusive, <laughs> both physically and emotionally. Allegedly, he forced depraved sexual acts on her. He made her wear a shirt and underwear with his name on them, he called her degrading names. But the last straws when she was there on the day of the murder. Jody testified that they were showering and taking pictures of each other when she accidentally dropped his new camera. 
and he flew into a rage. She said he he shook her while screaming, I'm fucking sick of you, and then body slammed her on the floor, called her a bitch, and kicked her in the ribs. She said he went to kick her again, but she put her hand out, and in the courtroom she held up her hand and was like, see, look, and she showed off her, like, ring finger that it was crooked because she had said when she put her hand out to defend herself, it had been broken while she was defending herself. She tried, She was tired of the abuse. She was tired of fearing for her life. So she ran into the closet where she remembered Travis kept his gun. And she grabbed that gun and she ran out of the closet and she went into the bathroom. But Travis was still raging. He was still chasing her. So she stopped and she turned around and she pointed the gun at him. Because, I mean, if anyone was pointing a gun, you would stop. Because you don't want a gun pointed at you. But instead he went into like a tackle stance, like a linebacker. And he was going to tackle her. And then the gun went off. Classic. The gun went off. It just went off somehow. It's Whenever someone is like, yeah, I did shoot him, but I didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. It's always the gun went off. Yeah. There's like so many people who are gun enthusiasts who have guns, who regularly shoot guns that are like, do you know how rare it is? For a gun to just go off. You have to pull that trigger. You pull the right? trigger and some of them require like a certain amount of force and yeah. weight. You, the gun just doesn't go off. So that's always a huge red flag to me when people are like, they the can't gun went off. fathom the moment that it happened. Like you don't remember squeezing it out of mm-hmm. fear even or something. Like you don't know. Because it is a squeeze. It's a physical like yeah. squeeze. You don't just pull it. Yeah. So whenever people are like, the gun went off. I'm like, yeah, classic. <laughs> Okay, so it's important to remember that this is Jody we're talking about. This is Jody's testimony. This is alleged completely. The abuse has never been cooperated. But also remember, it's her third account of what happened that day. Yeah. And it does not match the autopsy findings. Because the medical examiner determined he was first stabbed in the heart and then shot and then stabbed almost 30 times. And then his throat was slit. What kind of self-defense is that? Yeah. What kind of self-defense is that? And it doesn't even match her story. It doesn't at all. The prosecution had the same questions. They're like, what kind of self-defense is that? Because remember the autopsy findings? They don't even really match your story. And she was like, oh, you know what? I just, I don't have any memory of the stabbing. I don't have it. There's no memory of it. How convenient. So the witnesses were later called by the prosecution, which included several of Travis's ex-girlfriends. And they all stated that he had never exhibited any problems with anger, any problems with violence. He wasn't that type of person. There was also no proof that Travis ever even owned a gun. And That's the thing. Like, witness testi- witnesses testified that they'd never even known him to have one. It's so easy to get a gun in America. It's not like it'd be an underground That's gun that no one knows about. Like, like why would he secretly obtain one? Like, yeah. he could just go and get one. And so people are like, no, we never knew him to have a gun. There's no paper trail of him having a gun. Why the fuck would a? Why would he just secretly obtain one and hide it in his closet? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. People are like, no, he's not a gun guy. He doesn't have one. The prosecution further argued premeditation with the presence of that 25 caliber shell casing found near his body at the crime scene, 
and the fact that there was the theft of a handgun of the same caliber from Jody's grandparents' house in Wairika, which was the previous week, a week before the murder mm-hmm. is when this happened. And they argued that this proved she had staged that burglary, burglary and used the gun to kill Travis. During the trial, a video of that Inside Edition interview was played where she was like, no jury is going to convict me. Blah, 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 blah. And to this, Jody was like, well, at the time I had like plans to commit suicide. So like I was extremely confident that no jury would convict me because like I didn't expect any of us to even be here. <laughs> Oh, okay. Woof. Like, what? How? I don't know. She went through a trial at the worst time. For her? In her her, uh, personal chart? Well, her natal Jupiter is also in Virgo. It's quite far away from her natal Saturn, which is also in Virgo. And you know how I said she was entering her Saturn return? Oh, yeah. So, at the time of the of the murder saturn was approaching her natal jupiter and was about five degrees away so this is a building aspect she's not only like coming up on her saturn return throughout this next few years of her life she's going to be dealing with this build up and working through these issues that she hasn't dealt with um it's also hovering literally on her natal jupiter like Mm. the luck there like that's she didn't have any no, like she did not have negative. any and Saturn, that force that represents like higher powers, such as governments or, you know, police force, things like that. Like she didn't have someone any who could have there. Yeah. Someone who essentially has like a stake in. Yeah. In your next step. It's like comical almost like it's, it's, it is because of how certain she is. Yeah. How confident she is in herself and what she's saying and. And, and firmly, truly believing it. Yeah. Truly, she does. And meanwhile, all this stuff is working in the background. Like, ha! Keep trying, Jody. What she does. Man. So to close Jody's time on the stand, the prosecution cross-examined her. She was initially combative, but after several days, the prosecution highlighted the, like, God knows how many inconsistencies in her testimony. And she admitted to stabbing Travis in addition to shooting him despite her earlier claims of memory loss. She right. said she came to holding the knife and she just started screaming, so she must have stabbed him. But she doesn't actually remember. Classic. Beginning on March 14th, psychologist Richard Samuels testified for the defense for nearly six days. He said that Jody had likely been suffering from acute stress at the time of the murder, which sent her body into a sort of fight or flight mode to defend herself, causing her brain to stop retaining memory. So based on all of this, he diagnosed her with PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I think everyone knows what PTSD is. The prosecution attacked his credibility, accusing him of bias since he had previously testified that he had compassion for Jody. They also got him to admit that these findings of PTSD were made when the official story was intruders murdering Travis. Mm. So after learning this was not the case because he did learn this, he 
admitted to never administering any sort of like new or alternative testing. Okay, and just well, what stuck the hell? With the PTSD diagnosis. That's not. That's not okay. How embarrassing is that too? Yeah, on the stand that ruins your career. Like it should. <laughs> well, it's just so irresponsible. Yeah, and it's like PTSD is a very sensitive thing, and if you have it, you have it, and it's tough. Mm-hmm. You, know, you should never just throw it around. Yeah. Especially in this case, she was di- She got this diagnosis on a basis that wasn't even real. Yeah, like she needs to actually be evaluated for what the things she that they can see that she does. It just gets more frustrating like, with diagnoses. Actually, that's actually it's actually a good uh, 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 opportunity. Mm-hmm. I have a couple more doctors, psychologists mm. who have their diagnoses about her, mm-hmm. and then maybe you could look at her chart. And see if you see anything. Mm-hmm. So beginning on... So yeah, that's Richard Samuels. He's like, okay. oh my god, she has PTSD. And then on March 26th, a psychotherapist who specializes in domestic violence named Alice LaViolette testified that Jody was a victim of domestic abuse. And that most victims do not tell anyone because they feel ashamed and humiliated. And she summarized emails from Travis's close friends saying that they had advised Jody to move on because Travis was, quote unquote, abusive to women. She summarized these emails. She never yeah, provided them. That's a key word. Summarized. This was never provided. Hmm. Clinical psychologist Janine DeMart testified for the prosecution stating she found no evidence that Travis had abused Jody and there was no evidence that Jody had PTSD or amnesia. She pointed out that the memory loss over the time that Jody is said to have experienced it is inconsistent with traumatic amnesia associated with PTSD, which manifests at like much shorter gaps in memory. And she instead suggested that Jody suffered from borderline personality disorder because of her immaturity, an unstable sense of identity, and her personality trait of being terrified of feeling abandoned, which is a like a very normal symptom that lines up with people who have this diagnosis. Hmm. And I don't usually like to say where I stand one way or the other, but I do think that that is very fitting. Mm-hmm. She she certainly was uncomfortable terrified i'm not sure but she certainly was uncomfortable yeah with feeling alone or abandoned yeah and she really seemed to have struggled with identity and who exactly. she is like you said she's a sponge yeah and then the final defense witness was psychologist robert geffner who said the borderline personality diagnosis was wrong and all of the tests that jody had taken since her arrest pointed toward an anxiety disorder stemming from trauma hmm so ultimately, the prosecution and the defense could equally argue what Jody's diagnosis was, and no one could it's agree. It's so on frustrating. It. So you have, in in this case, four separate psychologists, psychotherapists, whatever, up there with their adamant diagnosis. Mm-hmm. No, you're wrong. This is what's wrong with her. And they can all fit in one way or the other, except Richard Samuels. Fuck off with the PTSD bullshit. You literally gave her that diagnosis on a yeah on a uh, fake story on a fake story so yeah it's just it's so frustrating because you get the prosecution psychologists up there you get the defense psychologists up there and no matter what they can argue what they believe is true yeah 
So my question to you is, is there anything in her chart that maybe is in line with what one of these people are saying or stands out in, in one way or another? I think that when you look at her cancer son and her, okay, so the third house in a chart is, it shows one's learning abilities or how they process things, how they take in their surroundings. Um, and Mercury is has some similar meanings, being like the planet of communication, learning abilities, mental processing. Um, is that the one that is in retrograde for mm-hmm. her? She has it in retrograde. It's close to her son, Cancer, answers to her moon in Gemini. So her moon is answering to her cluster? Yeah, it answers back to Cancer Mercury. So it'll go, let's say, you know, the sun is your expression. So when her son, she's expressing herself, she's mainly consulting her moon and her Mercury. And her moon and Mercury have a dance that they do yeah. back and forth. Infinitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just there. So it's just like a banter all day that she'll feel within her with her logic, with this cancer mercury that's retrograde and very ruminating mm-hmm. and very stuck on things. And she has to, a mercury retrograde native often has some type of um, deficit when it comes to learning or to understanding things and getting by in life. When you look at her third house, it kind of confirms that more because it's an, a, position of environment and school and learning so and then she had a retrograde on top so you can see she there's something there for sure cancer being connected to the moon and ancestry and family can also imply genetic factors which i think is confirmed by she has a very harsh square with pluto her son forms the square with Pluto and also then she has a trine with Uranus, right? Yes. I'm just double checking my my chart and notes here. <laughs> she has a sun trine with Uranus and a square with Pluto. Those are two outer planets. When you have outer planets that strongly affect your sun and the person that you're putting out there, you know, showing <laughs> to the world, it implies a lack of control fully on your part when you are bringing Uranus and Pluto into it. Um, The harsh Pluto square shows that she doesn't have full control over her sense of self. So whatever that does stem from, whether it's a genetic factor from that, you know, her cancer placements and the connection to moon, is it a genetic thing? Is that what it speaks to? And by genetic thing, do you mean like an inherited mental illness, mm -hmm. like borderline personality, borderline personality disorder, for example? Yeah. Or an anxiety disorder or some type of learning. Maybe there, I, I really do think she didn't get help she needed when she was younger. Like, I think so. She probably needed, you know, she needed resources. She needed outlets. She has a lot of mental energy with placements like that, with that cancer energy in the third house. Answering to a Gemini moon. Gemini moon is very good at compartmentalizing as it is naturally. So you have to, if if you're good at lying to yourself, how far will you take that? And then if, if she does have some underlying illness there, that could be why that connection is so strong. Because it's speaking to that back and forth that she has within herself of, 
you know, yeah. logic versus emotion. And like she one has this of the element things... where she's internally constantly conflicted and then she has this one mm-hmm. thing that can push it out. And she's so spongy. Like that was yeah. one of the first things I noticed. Yeah, and, like you brought up again is she really absorbs her environment. And that sense of self, that mm-hmm. sense of identity is lost. Yeah. She and literally transformed her physical body to look like her ex-boyfriend's ex-wife. It's just her chart ruler is Venus. Um, her and Travis both were ruled by Venus. Oh, and wow. it was both a Gemini Venus. These were ruling planets for them and their Venuses were in very close proximity. And her Venus is very close to her moon. And when her Venus is activated, it's answering to her Mercury, which answers to her moon, and the dance continues. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of power there. So I I really do incline to think this that it could be a genetic thing that she has inherited something. I'm I'm so curious about like other relatives, like her family is so quiet about things. And yeah. so like, you know, do they know things that they don't say about mental illness in the family or something? Or is she just kind of like a, an anomaly or something? Like a, what do you say? Bad seed, whatever you. Bad seed, black sheep. Like, yeah, the black whatever. sheep of the family that people will say like, no, it's just yeah, something that happened. Um that's the hard part too, though, right? Is that she constantly lies. So like, yeah, and it's she, hard to get help. Then she had allegedly said, oh, you know, like my parents were shit. My mom beat mm-hmm. me with a spoon, and my dad whipped me with a belt. And it's like, but she was devastated when her dad died. But that's not to say that people who aren't abused don't then do things like that. You like, I know it is such a complicated situation. But I know, and it would suck if she really was. And she, and, ha- yeah, and it's so hard to believe her because she fucking lies. And about the truth, everything. if she, there is truths in there, no one knows. And then no one's going to know. Maybe that's part of her hatred, whereas yeah. it's true and her siblings and family never say anything or stand up for mm-hmm. her. But then and I then have she a- ba- gets buried and more lies and more lies. And, but no one will know. No and I, know. I incline, like, it's really hard to know. But she's told so many lies and what is true. There's truth sprinkled throughout, like that's you've said. Thing. So it's like, okay, how can, you ch- how can you go through and even figure out what's what? But I, I 100% think she did it, though. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't really believe she doesn't have memory of it. I like. I, I she could have packed it away somewhere, but she knows what she did. Well, it's, she it's she a knows it's inside. Like everything. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have photos. She's, oh. Oh shit. Okay. Well, I do know. Which is the same thing that happened here. I. I don't know. I have no memory of stabbing him. I. I don't. Okay. Know. Well. Um. I think you do. Okay. Okay. I do, but I don't know why. Yeah. And you're like, Jody. <laughs> Jody. I think there's some type of personality issue for sure that you just see in general the confliction she has. Mm-hmm. And I think Travis was really struggling with something too. With oh, what yeah. you see with his own stuff. And I think they really, really were not good for each other. And mutable placements, Gemini, Sagittarius, Virgo, or uh, Pisces have a lot of energy. You can get a lot done. But if you don't use it the right way, like you can do twice as much bad then. That's right. You know, that's like, so when you have two people like this who have a lot going on and then you put them together and they have these, this huge Gemini conjunction with their Venuses 
And it was really like you could see that the two sides of it, the love, the hate, the back and forth, the lying, like they would just, Travis would lie to his friends, like act, say one thing and then he's still sleeping with her going Even on. Even his girlfriends, right? Yeah, like, like. God knows what he was lying to them about. Oh my Meanwhile, God. he's going to Niagara Falls or Hot Air Balloon Yeah, Festival living a Jody. double life. And yeah. they both are just so secretive and living these double lives and feeding off of each other. Well, she was pretty, I, I feel like she, if she had more friends and connections, she would have been just as bad as him with the lying, but he had more friends and girlfriends to lie to. Yeah, his, and like, her identity was incredibly uh, put in and and staked into other lovers. Yeah, she was. So in this case, Travis. She was reliant on him. And another thing um, in her, in both of their charts is they have a really strong Chiron. Oh, yeah. Um, the Wounded Healer, it shows where we're hurt the most in life. Uh, they both have it in the first house. So it implies physical injury. Ooh. So especially with Travis, his is right on the ascendant, which is the gateway to life. And the fact that he has Chiron there and he unfortunately like was m murdered and, mm -hmm. and like he died of these injuries that he received on account of his ex-lover great uh -huh. like stalker who his chiron's opposite that scorpio uranus in the seventh house which like i said it speaks to like sudden relationships relationships that change people who get divorced people who have unhealthy relationships it's a she placement was, of she was kind of like his kryptonite yeah and they're so cheesy but for real yeah he it was just such a bad situation I wish that in the 100 chances that he could have left her behind, he did. <sighs> Fucking Travis. It's disturbing. Do you see I, Well, a huge thing. So when I pulled up the time when we found out this is what we were going to do, we were going to do Jodi Aris and, and Travis, I... Yeah. What were the other so, options? So we were... <laughs> Well, besides the mad the bumper. mad bumper, the mad bumper. He's called that with a loose relation <laughs> to Justin Trudeau. Huh? Yeah, but it's huh? buried. It's buried. Well, we'll bring it to light. It's pretty funny. He's an old Hell's Angels. Hell's Angels. He's, her. He's an old Hell's Angels. <laughs> He's a bold biker <laughs> who murdered people, and he was called the Mad Bumper because he had a huge cocaine addiction. <laughs> I just thought it was so. Well, I I'm assuming that like that's. It has Why to be. else is he called the Mad if he, Bumper? If it's literally stated that he had a giant coke yeah. problem. Are you the Mad Bumper because you constantly rear-end people? No. No, because you're on a motorcycle. You're the Mad Bumper because you're doing mad bumps. That's why. In think. a period, this the time that he was active would have been the fucking cocaine gold Oh, age. yeah. He was and living it up. angels. Murdering people, you know. That sex, drugs, rock and roll. That'd be a fun one to do. <laughs> And then we're yeah. we're thinking about uh, Diane Downs. Yeah, that one would be. It's that's intense. We'll do that like, one for sure one day. Yeah, but this one was like an excellent start because okay, the only thing I really knew about this was from Dateline that I watched like seven years ago probably, and it's just one that you always hear about here yeah. and there. So I remember the bits and pieces. Like I always remember the camera and the washing mm -hmm. machine mm -hmm. and the pictures and stuff. So I knew there's timestamps. I remember that. So I googled that. Got the time for the last photo, 529, and then I yep. pulled up the chart of that day, which was, oh, wouldn't you know, Gemini season. And where was the Gemini sun? Oh, conjunct. Let's look. It's a 
horrifying. Connect. It is just wild. Con- connect. So, huge thing that jumped out at me about that day, June 4th, 2008, 5.29 p.m., is the sun was in Gemini. So was Mercury, which was stationed retrograde. Was that in any one of their clusters? The, Mer- Mer- the Mercury? <laughs> the Mercury? No. Ah. They didn't okay. have Mercury there. So, Travis. So retrograde? Yes. Mm. So. Interesting. That day, the sun was in Gemini at the 15th degree. Mercury was in Gemini, stationed retrograde at the 19th degree. Venus was in Gemini at the 14th degree. So the sun and Venus were conjunct that day in the sky. And in like a general day, that it shows an emphasis on partnership, uh-huh. on love, on what, you know. What should be. Yeah. Uh, if you were with someone who. Mm-hmm. And so for Jody, you, you, can, for. you can see this. She might have been thinking about this stuff a lot and f- fixated on it as yeah. it was building up, as the sun's building up to conjunct with Venus. She might have been you know thinking about it all day and because she has these gemini placements her moon and venus are in gemini and that day (gasps) sorry you know what does it made me think of what i don't want to throw you off of your noah okay people have pointed towards premeditation Mm -hmm. saying well look at all of the shit you've discussed beforehand you're premeditating fantasists which it seems like jody is a highly emotional type of person mm-hmm. who doesn't think she's a highly emotional type of person to me that screams a type of fantasist mm-hmm. it can come across as premeditation but what if it was just thoughts that she had because she is kind of jealous and hateful but with this um placement that you're talking about with mm-hmm. like the gemini being in this hovering so closely yeah. over her and Travis's conjunct activity. And maybe at this time she really was only going to see Ryan. But it was the perfect opportunity and how heavily that was weighing on her and her chart, the influence mm-hmm. and everything. Maybe she really did just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I've been thinking about it. Uh, it bothers me. I'm already going to go and see Ryan in Utah. Why not stop? I think she was feeling very overwhelmed by everything around her. And maybe that is what happened. It's just crazy. She was overwhelmed. And it's so hard you know, to say, You know, the though. stars aligned, how they say, for things yeah. to happen, where the, it's just the perfect timing. And her past anger just all came out. Her and she repression. is so spontaneous, right? There, She's like, yes. Oh, I want to be with you for Christmas. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, Jody. I'm, my family's here. There's no room for you. Mm-hmm. And she sits on it for about nine seconds and is like, She's very I don't destructive. Like that answer. So uh, here I come, and she drives five hours, mm-hmm. four or five hours to get there. Maybe she was like, "Well, I am going to go and see Ryan because we're going to go to these like business meetings and whatever." I can just say I got lost, or I can just say yeah. um, I got tired, and I'll just drop in at Travis's because it is confirmed that Travis had no idea that Jody would ever come and see him because she was so far away. Yeah, and she really did just surprise him. So maybe she did just decide on her drive. You know what? I'm already fucking going. I'll just pull up. But she did stop and dye her hair and fill up with gas cans. Mm-hmm. So it's so I, I tough. But she's such a like a ruminator. She probably was thinking about a lot of things forever. But the sun was shining on their 
placements that day yeah. on what brought them together their venus conjunction oh, they were completely amplified magnified yeah. illuminated whatever it was on a pedestal it was that that was the day if some shit was gonna go down they should not have met up that day and what i thought when i was Chaff looking didn't at stand a chance though no he wanted sex no jody gave it to him she is essentially a little pretty package with a bow on it that shows up at his door travis's transits with that day he was overrun by trines which is trines. really natural free-flowing energy it doesn't require any effort on your part do i have a trine sorry i did not mean to i'd have this to... about me <laughs> i have a gemini coaster <laughs> you activate my memory bank <laughs> sorry anyway okay travis he was overrun by trines trines there was lots of trine energy going on his venus was activated by trines a lot his node was activated by how many trines does he have these are the ones that i noted between exact so an exact aspect zero degrees separating it and up to four nine Five, six seven, he had nine eight. he what? had his gemini venus um Neptune was an Aquarius at the time. It had come to build a perfect trine with his Gemini Venus. Um, that takes a, a while. So this is something he was going through. And like I said, natural free flowing doesn't require any effort. Um, Neptune is a very elusive planet. Yep. It's hard to fully understand with it forming this trine to his Venus. I'm not surprised that he was having some weird things happen in his love life for years. Like he was oh, really struggling. It was not fun for him. He could not figure out exactly what he wanted yeah. from someone. He had multiple personas that needed mm -hmm. something. He was a Mormon elder who mm -hmm. needed a good Mormon, went a good Mormon wife, a good yeah. Mormon woman who believed in everything about the church that he did. Yet he wanted arm candy. Yeah, Jody was perfect arm candy, and he had all of these little different aspects that were like fitting, but. Mm -hmm. How to wrap up one woman in that bow is difficult. Yeah. And that day, luck was not on his side. So Capricorn or Jupiter was in Capricorn at the time, which is where Jupiter is the weakest. Does mm -hmm. not function well there. Um, and like I said, he has moon in Capricorn. Where is Jupiter the strongest? Uh, cancer. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. It's very lucky in Cancer. But... um. And then it's at home in Sagittarius or Pisces as well, if you look at it from an mm -hmm. old school perspective. But um, his Gemini Venus, uh, Jupiter in Capricorn, was forming that quincux or in conjunct aspect to it, which, like I said, it either works really, really well or it doesn't at the time. And when you have Jupiter ruled by Saturn at the time, um, affecting your Venus in this really unique way... And then you have this crazy girl show up at your door. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised it didn't work out in his favor. Out of sleep under your Christmas day. tree then. And then you add to it that Saturn, like I mentioned, was in Virgo. He had a critical degree Leo. It was at the or Leo Mercury at the very final degree of Leo. And Saturn had just entered Virgo. It was only a few degrees in and was still conjunct his Mercury at the time. So he had Saturn breathing down his neck, mm. um, conjunct his mercury and then you have his gemini venus which is in a really uncomfortable position and there's a lot of outer planet activity that was building for a really long time and was like at a head and yep. would be for a few months or 
when it's yeah and he was in that part of his life yeah and his venus was critical sort of Mm -hmm. turning point coming back around home yeah kind of like meet your maker type of energy yeah and he didn't have very many uh positive aspects that were working with him at the time his son had nothing nothing he had nothing there so now in a in a in a individual's chart where their moon is normally operating Mm -hmm. so lonely Mm -hmm. he has this weird transitioning happening where his son is lonely and his moon which is very vulnerable thank you for bringing that up his moon is incredibly vulnerable you see it in his birth chart um he has a capricorn moon in the ninth house that's a very open house in the chart it's a house of religion of faith of of travel like people love to travel vulnerabilities inside of his faith and religion is spirituality and with the conflicting sun moon relationship he already has you see he he has the sun in the fourth house but he didn't have a stable home which Mm -hmm. is the fourth house rules so he had to forge an identity and really use his moon to his advantage in any way that he could yeah a home life in way of parental his yeah his grandparents were there but i mean that wasn't Mm -hmm. until his later youth years but he had a saturn ruled moon and like i said the ninth house is very open it's very vulnerable and then you have a saturn ruled moon which is answering to a leo saturn which is answering back to your son things affect him very personally he's not really able to get away from things that are hard for him he has like these it will come back these constant like three steps almost where it's like something is reporting Mm -hmm. to this which is answering to that yeah this constant like flow of energy where he doesn't really seem to be able to win yeah and on the day of of the murder the moon at 529 it was at the third degree of cancer which is what do you know it almost exactly opposite his moon and Jody's the cancer. Yeah, I was just gonna say that she had more power on her side that day. She finally had and some her power. Venus was so yeah, and his impacted. his moon or sorry, her moon yeah was in a heightened state. She her and her Venus. She was really really feeling the effects of this she relationship. She would have been super emo on mm-hmm. top of already being emo. And him, he's his placements that day that were activated were his Mars. I was strongly. Placements that he wasn't usually, like, typically used to Mm -hmm. having at the forefront. Yeah. And when I think that they were were emphasized that day, the issues, the two-faced nature of their relationship, the secrets, the lies, things have to come out. Eventually, they always say the truth comes out. And I just, if that day, they should not have gone together that day. Or they shouldn't have gone together any day, really. Any day. There was a million opportunities for him to be like, "Mm -mm, done with you. But when you look at the power of that Gemini cluster and how it was lit up that day. I think it's really telling and it shows, it just shows to me, like it's literally shining on her and on them. Like who, who else was it? Like what else happened? Yeah. It's shining on both of them with her Mm -hmm. literally holding the knife Mm -hmm. and the gun. And she was going through that time and during your Saturn return on her Jupiter. I just didn't, Things were not working out very well for her that day, for sure. For either one of them. And she, her Mercury that day was exactly opposite Jupiter and Capricorn. Her natal Mercury was exactly opposite that transit Jupiter. I can see her building a plan for a while. 
Which she just which with testimony it does seem that mm-hmm. way. Especially with Daryl saying, like, oh, you know, like at one point she did call me and this would have been weeks before Travis was murdered. Yeah. She wanted gas cans and Yeah. There's an element of premeditation for sure. Mm-hmm. And with someone who thinks they're so much smarter and so much more uh, convincing than anyone, then she gives credit to other people for. They'd be like, oh, yeah. She thinks people will be like, Jody, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's no way you could have premeditated. Jody. It's not the case. Any other key observations? Hmm. I think I got it all so beautiful the one that really blew me away was like when i saw his chart and i saw that he had chiron right on the ascendant opposite that uranus and the host of relationships and i just thought oh my god you were literally murdered by like your ex-partner Ugh. like what oh and his what son a nightmare his son is wedged between them in, in that karmic t-square his son squares exactly the scorpio and the scorpio uranus and the taurus chiron so almost like hammering home in his chart, like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's wedged right between you, that aspect. You don't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. You don't stand a chance, Bucko. And that day, both of those aspects in his chart, his Charon and Uranus, were activated, and his son had nothing. And that's uh-huh. like your life force. That's you. It's your life. And his son was like had nothing there, and all oh. of his other planets, his Gemini, everything is like popping off, and his son's just chilling in the middle of this like horrible hold. Like he, it's, it's so sad too because. His son wouldn't have been so alone and vulnerable for that long. Like, eventually... That's why that day, I think, was extremely yeah, significant. Like, and Like, pretty quickly in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. it would have had company. Oh, the node and at the that, time. T- and just that critical time. Yeah. 5.29 on that day is so vulnerable. That, it's really, really, really wild. That time, um, Chiron was conjunct the North Node as well in Aquarius. Um, and the North Node was conjunct Jody's South Node. Mm-hmm. So there was an inversion there. And those are the points of soul. Um, the North Node is like the, your soul uh, purpose and destiny, where you feel called to, oh. and the mark you leave on this earth. And that day she had this inversion going on. And... Well, it, that would have been going on for quite a while. Would have been, but with the other influences of like Venus, for example, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it probably like it flows in. It, yeah, it probably things like, can flow in at certain really times up. differently. If you have that, like that aspect can be conjunct for months, but then certain days when there's planets, it's going to activate mm-hmm. pretty strongly. Yeah, and then based mm-hmm. on what like naturally your your chart influences are based yeah. on what you're typically used to uh energy you're used to whatever Mm -hmm. so even though some things can stay in a certain place for you know x amount of time yeah it's it's really critical on how that personally affects you Mm -hmm. and what degree that's in and intensity and all of that for sure so like long story short like jody is like guilty Mm -hmm. i'd say Okay, that was tons of incredibly amazing, useful, insightful, very fitting information. It's wild to see like Excellent. you like bring stuff back around and you're like, oh, yeah, totally relatable. Oh, it will come to me. That. Things will come to me for days, too. And I'll be like, fuck, I forgot. Fucking I shit. didn't realize that. Okay, so 
The defense filed for a mistrial for the second time when they claimed that Prosecutor Martinez had acted inappropriately by saying the case resembled a modern-day equivalent to the Salem witch trials with a quote-unquote circus-like atmosphere inside the courtroom, which was unprofessional behavior. So they're essentially just saying the the lead prosecutor is not taking this seriously. He's he's acknowledging the fact that it's a, a media circus mm-hmm. and he's capitalizing off of it. And <laughs> it was denied. They're like, that's nice. Get over it. <laughs> so the trial continued, just like after the first attempt at a mistrial. And something... Um, I think you and I talked about this more off air, but neither the prosecution nor the defense presented any character witnesses for Jody. Right. And conveniently at this time is when the defense had filed for a mistrial for the last, the third and last time saying that they alleged a defense witness who had been due to testify on Jody's behalf had been receiving death threats and the day before they were due to take the to stand, they contacted the defense counsel and said, you know what? I can't do this. I do not want to testify. I will not show up. I'm sick of the threats. Wow. And on that basis, the defense counsel was like, okay, well, we'll file another mistrial because why not? And it was it's pretty obvious at this point that they just, any little thing that came up, they were like, Jody looks guilty. <laughs> Let's file for a mistrial. Just test the waters. See what happens. And I realize now I said that she had no character witnesses. Um, I don't think that it's the same thing to consider Daryl Brewer a character witness. He's more of... No. He's not a character witness because he was relevant for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no one to come forward that was just straight up like... She's yeah. a good person. Yeah, Jody was my friend in high school, and like she was always really laid back, and like whatever. No, just straight up, I'm here for Jody, hardcore. No one else. No one testified. And then in the closing arguments, which happened on May fourth, the defense argued the premeditation theory didn't make sense, and if she was guilty of any crime, it was manslaughter, <sighs> which is just silly. It was manslaughter. Meanwhile, they were like, yeah, we know that Jody killed Travis, but it was justifiable homicide. And now they're like, listen, if she's guilty of a crime, it is manslaughter. And in rebuttal, the prosecution reminded everyone there was no evidence to suggest that Travis was abusive in any way. And everything pointed toward a premeditated murder stemming from Jody's anger, spite, jealousy, you name it. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean... That's a fair argument. So on May 7th, after 15 hours of deliberation, all 12 jurors found Jody guilty of first-degree premeditated murder. And as the verdict was read, Travis's family smiled and hugged one another, and crowds outside of the courtroom began cheering. Like, cheering hardcore. Loud. Audible. They were pumped. In an interview after the jury delivered their verdict, Daryl Brewer said... She's unrecognizable to me now as to the Jody she used to be. She never talked like that. She never lied. And she never had that disrespect. She was not manipulative. She was not evil. Hmm. Jody said, 
I was really hoping the jury would see things for what they are. I didn't expect to walk away. I knew that was a possibility, a slim chance. In a parallel universe somewhere, but certainly not first degree. It's a clusterfuck of a sentence. How could she expect anyone to even understand? Because she, like, she believed it. <laughs> so she was like, if I believe it, everyone has to believe it. Oh, Jody. Phase two of the trial began on May 15th, 2013. The prosecution was required to convince the jury that the murder was cruel, heinous, or depraved so they could determine if Jody was eligible for the death penalty. The only witness was the medical examiner who had performed Travis's autopsy. Jody's attorneys, who by this point had repeatedly asked to step down from the case, so they were not really invested anymore. And they only gave very brief opening statements and very brief closing statements where they said the, this is horrible. One of the only things that they had said was that the adrenaline rushing through Travis's body may have prevented him from feeling much pain during his death. So the prosecution. That's not how that works. No. So the prosecution like definitely came up and was like, hmm. I'm going to make you feel like shit for saying that. Yeah. And they showed photos of Travis's body and the crime scene to the jury. And then they paused for two minutes of silence to show how long it took Travis to die. Wow. And I don't I don't know if you know this. I found this out recently that they measure if someone died peacefully by the amount of adrenaline in the body. Oh. And that's how I always thought Mia, a nurse told me this. Her name's <laughs> Mia. I supposed to just be like Mia, as if everyone knows. But um, she explained to me that when you die, um, your body will le- release adrenaline depending on how much fear you experience. For sure, because they are incredibly correlated. Mm-hmm. And that's how they can tell you, like, if someone got into a car accident, they'll be like, they didn't, it was quick, they didn't know, or they, and I always thought that was, like, kind of bullshit. Well, that people set out of comfort. Yeah, it is essentially, like, a hormone. Yeah, but I found out, like, no, that's, like you can measure adrenaline and the more adrenaline the more like aware someone was about what was happening to them oh yeah so even if so in this case even if the defense is like oh my god so like all the adrenaline probably no he was aware yeah he so was like fully he didn't experience present. pain but he died slowly for two minutes imagine just you and i just sitting here silently for two minutes yes an eternity yeah and he was dying alone for two minutes and where was she what was she doing like she was probably fucking watching of course she was watching it's so creepy and just terrifying and sad Uh, uh, yeah so like even if that even if that's true even if he wasn't feeling much pain like that's a long time to just lay there dying yeah when hands of someone who you welcomed into your home and even though it's been sort of a toxic relationship it's it's unfathomable the prosecution would nail that home though with that by making people like saying that for sure, because after less than three hours of consideration, the jury determined that Jody was eligible for the death penalty. So the final phase of the trial began the next day on May 16th, and the prosecution called on Travis's family members to give victim impact statements in an effort to convince the jury that Jody's crimes merited a death sentence. On May 21st, Jody gave this like a spiel pleading for a life sentence. She acknowledged that her plea for life 
was a reversal of remarks that she had made shortly after her conviction in which she was saying that she would prefer the death penalty. And she was probably saying that because she was certain, like, well, I, no one will think I should get it. Yeah, she's just doing the opposite. Yeah, so then when she heard, yeah, you're eligible for it, she was like, oh, fuck. Okay, well, like, I don't want that. I deserve life. And I changed my mind because I didn't want to bring my family any more pain. Your family didn't even vouch for you. They didn't. Like, and she's the ultimate flip-flopper. She is. And before, like, when we were talking about how um, Jody wants to get up there and say, you know, like, I was a victim of domestic violence and it was really tough for me and I was physically and emotionally abused. And we were like, that's pretty disrespectful to people who really do go through those mm-hmm. types of things. Yeah, Domestic absolutely. violence, any sort of abuse. Well, she stood up there and she held up these white t-shirts that had the word survivor written across it. Mm -hmm. And she was telling the jurors that she planned on selling the shirts and donating all of the proceeds to victims of domestic abuse. I remember this. As someone Mm -hmm. who went through it, she understands it. So that's her way of of contributing to the community. And she also said that she would continue to donate her hair to Locks of Love locks of love or locks for love while she was in prison which is for um it's like a non-profit for cancer survivors and patients and everything you can donate your hair so she was just trying to make herself seem like listen i i don't deserve the death penalty i deserve a life sentence because i am still i can still contribute valuable things to the community and then there was like a bunch of other stuff about how she can like teach people english if they don't really know how to (laughs) speak it very well i don't know she just went on this like essentially long ass diatribe about how great she could be she should have just got up there and said her old myspace bio (laughs) here's a list of adjectives that perfectly describe me and then two days later on may 23rd the sentence phasing of the trial resulted in a hung jury and ultimately a mistrial the jury had reached an eight to four decision in favor of the death penalty. So they couldn't unanimously decide. So on May 30th, Maricopa County attorney, attorney Bill Montgomery discussed the next steps at a news conference. And he said that he was confident that an impartial jury could be seated, but that it was possible that lawyers and the victim's family could agree to scrap the trial in favor of a death sentence of in favor of a life sentence with no parole. So instead of going through it again, mm-hmm. maybe there's a chance that everyone could just agree to put her away for life. Jody had said, I don't think there is an untainted jury pool anywhere in the world right now. That's what it feels like. But I still believe in the system to a degree. So we'll just go through that if it happens. Defense attorneys responded, if the diagnosis made by the state psychologist is correct, the Maricopa County Attorney's Office is seeking to impose the death penalty upon a mentally ill woman who has no prior criminal history. It is not incumbent upon Miss Arias' defense counsel to resolve this case. So they were saying we shouldn't have to be up there defending her life. If it's true that she's mentally ill, mm-hmm. it should just be decided by the judge without a doubt that she just goes to prison for life. We shouldn't be arguing this because she essentially isn't doesn't have her faculties about her. Yeah, she's not competent to even work through this. 
But on October 21st, 2014, Jody's sentencing retrial began. Opening statements were given and a hearing on evidence was held. So they were just sort of, the defense had had argued that there were certain points that needed to be readdressed. And it included inconsistent testimonies on the gas can purchases, which I had mentioned before about how um, reportedly, um, looking back on like news articles and information that's available, it is really kind of wishy-washy as to where the gas cans came from. Mm-hmm. So the testimony that was presented at this retrial had to do with the Walmart purchases and how people testified that Jody had attempted to return gas cans she purchased on certain days. And then there was Walmart employees who were like, no, she never tried to return them. And then there was testimony that apparently the defense found that said there's no way that any sort of Walmart employee could have confidently took the stand and testified that because the store location changed. So the records weren't properly stored and that employee should never have been able to take the stand. That's a very very weird situation. It is. And so researching all of the details available vary completely on these gas cans. But the only main thread of consistency is that there was gas cans involved that Mm -hmm. she did fill at a Wairika gas station. So it is just... she drove. she drove that car. And never stopped. So, for gas. So, there for sure was gas kid involved. It just is a matter of definitively determining where they came from. Wow. So, that was evidence that was presented, and it was in line with the Walmart employees who who had to say whether or not they were returned. I don't know. It's fucked. Um, Another inconsistent testimony was related to the evidence on Travis's laptop where forensic experts had testified saying there was no pornographic evidence found whatsoever. They had to come back on during this retrial to say, okay, it did have pornography on it and it had viruses and all of this stuff. So there wasn't anything on it, apparently, at least that was given during testimony that was really inappropriate, which is what the defense was trying to fight for by saying like, well, Travis was a freak. And mm-hmm. had, quote-unquote, rapist pedophilic tendencies and depravities and whatever. Nothing like that was found. But it was addressed that forensic experts said none was found when there was porn. Hmm. Uh, so. It's like a small discrepancy. Yeah. They're like smaller things that uh, essentially the defense counsel was just gripping like gripping on anything, grasping straws. And the jury deliberated on like these new sort of inconsistent testimonies. And the deliberations began, but after two deadlocks, a mistrial was declared again. And sentencing was scheduled for April 7th, 2015, with the judge choosing to either sentence Jody to life without parole or life with the possibility of parole after 25 years. And on April 13th, he settled on sentencing Jody to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. So in June 2015, Jody was ordered to pay more than $32,000 to Travis's siblings. And today, Jody is housed in the medium security level of the Perryville, Arizona State Prison Complex in Goodyear, Arizona. 
On July 6, 2018 and October 17, 2019, Jody's attorneys filed appeals, but the court has always upheld the conviction, saying that Jody was convicted because of the overwhelming evidence of her guilt. So even though they keep trying to appeal it, keep trying to say, like, she deserves another trial, it's denied repeatedly because all of the um, courts are like, no, she was fairly put behind bars. Mm-hmm. She's She's got life in prison without parole because the, the evidence is, is overwhelmingly guilty. So Jody is reportedly a manipulative prisoner known to flirt with correctional officers to earn privileges. Oh my god. In Cellmate Secrets, a true crime docu-series, Jody's former cellmates Donovan Baring and her wife Tracy Brown claimed that Jody often, quote, used her sexuality to get things from other inmates, end quote. Three women became really close and they even allowed Jody to practice tattooing them. Using a rubber band, a staple, and a pencil as the tool, and shampoo, baby powder, and mascara for ink, Jody gave Donovan four tattoos, and she gave Tracy six tattoos. Wow. One of the tattoos that she gave Tracy was her name. So Tracy has Jody tattooed on her. I wonder whose idea that was. I feel like Jody is just so manipulative and convincing that she was like, oh, it would be great. Wouldn't it be cute? It would be so good. I'm just trying to practice. So Donovan and Jody initially remained friends after Donovan was released from jail. And she even agreed to manage Jody's social media for her. What? But their friendship fell apart after donovan was getting sick of how hateful jody was so while they were in prison together she thought jody was fine she she did not think that she was really jealous mean hateful spiteful whatever and even while they were all incarcerated they weren't aware of how much jody's trial had been like a media circus essentially like they had no idea wow so they just thought jody was like a nice normal girl and they were all friends so when donovan got out of jail she was like yeah whatever like i'll help you i'll keep managing your social media for you uh but allegedly she would because of how hateful she was she would donovan heard jody scream terrible things at her mother and frequently just hang up on her when they were talking in in jail Mm -hmm. if she got mad she wanted uh destructive hurtful just horrible things posted about her family on social media she said vindictive yeah exactly she said jody asked her to post something vile about her family and when donovan refused she said jody lashed out like nothing she's ever seen before and said she'd have people who she knew attack Donovan and her family. What the fuck? And she said that Jody just endlessly spoke horribly of her parents and to her parents and especially her mother. An, ab- an abusive person. 
She sounds like an abusive person. Yeah, it sounds like if anything isn't going exactly how she wants it or whatever, mm-hmm. she's like, you know what? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And then she, like you said, vindictive is instantly yeah. like, how can I hurt you as much as I feel hurt it, hurt or slighted? In 2019, Jody claimed she was happily in love with a man named Benjamin Ernst and was looking forward to marrying him. But I couldn't find any other details on that. And for whatever reason, that fell through and they were never married. Must have been writing letters with someone. For sure. And then uh, Jody makes money in prison by selling her artwork. She said she started selling her artwork because... Quote, she often felt hungry in jail and her family could do little to financially support her, an adult who should have been feeding herself. End quote. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah, it's just like, hey, yo, I want to make money, but I could totally just say it's because, like, I need money for the, for food. For commissary. Yeah. Like, uh, that's it. And originally, her brother is the one that helped her sell her art, and he had an account on eBay, so he would sell her art through his eBay account. Hmm. But they, like, after it started picking up, people were interested. Um, According to Jodi, it started to gain worldwide recognition, and that's when eBay was like, eh, we're banning it because she was a felon. So a website was created specifically for her to sell her art. And she also sells, quote unquote, merch. She sells, she actually sells those Survivor t-shirts. She still does this to this day. To this day. And people buy it. Yes. There's like, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's like people posing in the merch. So the shirts and stuff that they buy from the site. What the hell? And it's those fucking survivor t-shirts where she's like, it's all about domestic violence. And she also sell these, sells these bracelets that say Free Jody. Uh, on the site it says, with your purchase of a survivor t-shirt, 100% of the net proceeds will be donated to a nonprofit organization that assists survivors of domestic violence. As a survivor of domestic violence... I can attest to the accompanying shame of being abused. Many victims will not tell anyone what is happening to them and will even cover for their abusers. For the victim, living becomes a prison of personal hell. Help us support an organization that assists other victims of domestic violence, empowers them to end the vicious cycle of abuse, and enables them to move from victim to survivor. So she's still going with it. To this day, she's still going with the fact that she was a survivor of emotional and physical abuse. And now she has people rallying behind her. Like, are there yeah. people? There must be people. If there's a ton of people. Yeah. Who, there's like, like, um, f- essentially, like, just individual made websites of like free Jody and like she's not guilty, mm-hmm. whatever. People who understand her. <laughs> yeah. And there's just like this on the same website, there's this long winded statement about how she's survivor and she's happy she didn't kill herself and blah 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 i don't really want to read any more here so if you want to you can find her website but it's like uh, gross is her brother still involved in her art and stuff like i feel like he must have been someone has to manage it and have set up the website for her i think her brother is still involved such a weird situation 
Yep. So here's some interesting stuff. Like many people have speculated that Jody has a mental disorder. It's mm-hmm. pretty obvious. Such as sociopathy, since she's a pathological liar and a clear narcissist. Do you agree? Do you think she's narcissistic and sociopathic? I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with during the trial and how many different people testified. And we did. I don't of- know. She seemed. I don't know. That's really tough. Um. I think that she just has no. Uh, I think she's like fluid. I think she's like water. <laughs> yeah, she's like. like um, she's, does it she's help very... me or not help me? Okay, I'll just go with it. Here's I. A... Narcissism is. From what I understand, like a very confused sense of self. I think but she like, just has a, is permanently like a, in an identity. An, I think she's permanently in an identity crisis. Yeah. I don't know. There's like no if, if I wish that there was a diagnosis on. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. But I just. It's just like random people that have. She, there's been so many different things that have been thrown out there with her. Mm-hmm. Like, I would incline to say she's some type of personality disorder. Yeah. For sure. Like, and difficulty making decisions. And she's very influenced by her surroundings and people. So, like. Yeah, we can kind of just state, like, obvious attributes she has. And we're in no position to yeah. diagnose her like other people do. Is she, like, I don't know. Well, how about this one? I'd have to look up, like, definitions. Comparisons have been made to the Casey Anthony case for the Mm -hmm. perceived similarities between the two women. Yeah, I was thinking about it quite a bit as we talk about the trial and just, like, it's weird how different it is for them in many ways, but there's also a striking similarity. That's exactly what I have written here. So I... I have seen that in all of my research that people are like, they're so, they're, they're, you can compare them so easily. Jodi Arias and Casey Anthony. So as I was researching, I kept thinking about it and I would like make little Mm -hmm. notes on what. The lies. Yeah, like what I can understand is comparable and Mm -hmm. what isn't. So I think that the public investment that was there and the public. They were, like, highly emotionally infected by both cases Mm -hmm. because of the, like, media circus that surrounded it. I can also see comparisons between them because they – of the lies. They lie so easily. They lie through their teeth like it's Mm -hmm. nothing. Until they're at a dead end and then they have to turn around. Literally, like, they're in Universal Studio. (laughs) And they have no choice but to laugh in your face and say, well, this lie can't take me anywhere. I don't work here. And they both have, like, no regard for what other people feel Mm -hmm. as long as they get their way. I guess that could be sociopathic, right? Maybe that's why they... Why people are like inclined to believe that she that's part of it because it's all for self gain and she's thinking about herself. And they both lied about abuse at the hands of their parents. Mm -hmm. Jody lied about physical abuse, whereas Casey lied about sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. 
And Jody had said it was both of her parents where Casey tried to hammer home that it was only her father. Yeah. And their parents have, like, I don't want to disrespect their parents, but neither one of their parents have no backbones when it comes to dealing with them. Mm-hmm. They were both facing the death penalty. That's a similarity. And there was no character witnesses for Casey, just like there was no character witnesses for Jody. Wow. But I think it's important to note that there's also a lot of differences. So Jody murdered her ex-boyfriend. But Casey was accused of murdering her daughter. So those are very different. Casey did not testify on the stand and on her behalf yeah. or in general. Whereas Jody did. It was and it was the smart move exactly. for her not to. And the and the huge difference here is that Casey was found not guilty yep. of any murder and of charge. Killing her child. Of her her child. child. That's what is so crazy. Yep. That Jody like like not trying to compare me, but you know, it yes. just doesn't make sense. It's her child, whereas in Jody it's her ex boyfriend and and people were like so vocal against her but there was people the whole time with casey anthony who were so vocal for her yeah because like, a huge a huge factor was that it was obvious how travis died mm-hmm. it was obvious the medical examiner yeah, came right the out violence but with kaylee's death it was never ever ever determined yeah they couldn't figure it out and like casey didn't get away essentially like unscathed no she was found guilty of four misdemeanor charges for providing the courts with false information and so she was released after after the trial with credit for time served so she did essentially get in trouble but not really but i think that that was a huge sort of like pro for casey or like um sort of like an aid something that helped her with how they didn't know exactly how kaylee died yeah and also, Casey didn't take the stand. She was really was she was really s- set on her story. She was like, "Nope, nope, nope. It was Annie. It was Annie the nanny the whole time. She just wouldn't let her story go. She never changed it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. But Jody wouldn't just stick with something. If she felt like it was kind of crumbling, she was like, "Okay, I'll just change it because I can believe it. So everyone should believe it." Yeah. So yeah, it's always. Jody Arias and Casey Anthony are constantly compared. So I thought it would be kind of cool to like show how there is a ton of comparisons, but there's also very stark differences. Yeah. And another huge thing is that there's a ton of people who, like you were saying about Casey, there's a ton of like people who advocate for her. And with Jody, there is a ton of people that say that she did not stand a chance. Because of the media circus. Mm-hmm. The public was able to watch the trial live. And because a sort of real life daytime soap opera vibe came from it. Um, it was really enticing to people because there was this huge mix of jealousy and religion, murder, sex. All of those like hot topics. Yeah. So everyone knew about Jody. And there was even, like, people that would come forward and just sort of, like, speak out and be like, oh, my God, she's totally guilty. And there was no 
reason for them thinking that. It's just because it was so highly publicized. Yeah. So people who are supporters of Jodi are like, it's not fair. She didn't stand a chance. So are what do you think about that? Like, do you think that the media is the reason Jodi was found guilty? Or do you think Jodi was found guilty because she's guilty? <laughs> Definitely the latter. Like, yeah. I can't see with the choices she made, her have coming out of this not guilty unless you really had a jury that for some reason felt so sorry for her that they pushed for her to be like instead put into like i don't know ruled insanity and put into a different type of facility or something Mm -hmm. like and even then she's not free she didn't get away with anything like that's the only other thing i can see happening um and that didn't happen because no one felt for her that way exactly like no one believed her lies like you said about Casey she stuck to a story and she didn't waver from it so you couldn't really say certain things about her you couldn't really call her a liar to the degree you could call yeah, Jody. you didn't have this sort of like timeline of lie evolution or whatever mm-hmm. to put together and it she just changed from her story yeah I think the only thing she ended up adding was like oh I was abused by my dad and the physical like the gas tank or the gas cans like you really can't you can't overlook that and I just I don't know I don't think she would have been able to get away with it even if it was like no media and a a small town no one knew about it I don't know I feel like they would have been like this is pretty obvious everyone was saying this about you like even think about that 911 call before they even could have pieced together this timeline before they realized the hair and the palm print matched her it's two separate women She's not saying, yeah, it was probably Jody. And even and even if they didn't have all of this circumstantial evidence, the fact, well, even if they didn't have all this evidence against her, the fact that those people mentioned her name immediately, she would have been questioned mm-hmm. regardless. And I think that hard evidence aside, her being questioned, her being brought to trial, whatever... I think that she would have kept cracking and changing her story no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the fact that people want to hide behind it being a media frenzy, a media circus, whatever, that definitely didn't help. Mm -hmm. But it was the evidence itself that made Jody look guilty because she's guilty. Yeah, they shouldn't be allowed to sensationalize it like that on TV and do certain things. like It was was like tabloid. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's definitely not right, but I don't, I, I don't know. It's weird territory, because then you think about, like, Amanda Knox and stuff, and you think, oh, shit. Actually, that's a really good um, um Because point. that is an excellent point of a media frenzy that, like, ruins someone's life, if you believe she didn't do it. I don't think she did I don't personally. think she did either. But there is But there was all that evidence, where if, it was like, she had to have, look at the blood and this and that. But then there was, like, the shit in the toilet that obviously wasn't her. Do you remember Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and so much. Actually, in, that's making me think about her interrogation footage. Mm-hmm. Isn't Amanda Knox the one that did cartwheels? I think she did cartwheels while she was waiting to be interrogated. Oh, my God. Is and she? I, I just remember so. she was with her boyfriend and they were, like, kissing and what hugging. Was her, wasn't it Ralph? I can't remember. Oh, fuck. I, I can actually see it in my would head. love to cover that case one day because I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think Amanda acted absolutely inappropriately because she was an immature kid in a foreign country. Yeah. But I 
I've never thought that she was guilty. Wrong place, wrong time, for sure. But I, that's funny that you mentioned her because I think that, like, one of the huge things I was mentioning before about Jody was that she was acting weird mm-hmm. in the interrogation room. But I'm pretty sure Amanda is the one that was doing cartwheels and people didn't like it. Yeah. But it's, again, everything is specific to the case. But you do think of things where it's like, there seemed to be so much evidence with that. She was sentenced for that. People in Italy believed that she was the killer. Also, the detectives that interviewed her were abusive. Oh, they were horrible. Like, they were out. They assumed it was this girl immediately. So. (laughs) Okay, so I googled Amanda Knox cartwheels. It says. The, the first thing I clicked on says Amanda Knox part two behind the cartwheel explaining Amanda's strange behavior. Okay. So it was her. Yeah. How uh, old was she at the time? She was oh, like, she was a baby. Maybe not, tw- not even 20, she was right? Tw- I think she was 20. Oh, okay. She was young for so sure. Yeah, she was the one that was doing cartwheels. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let's but see how old Amanda was. There was like a lot of evidence against Jody still, but it's, yeah. She was 20. Because it says 2007, and she was born in 87, so she was 20. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. If people think Amanda Knox did it. I'm like. She never s- confessed guilt, though, or anything, did she? Uh, she did, did she? eventually, but it's because she was literally beaten up. Right. She cracked, and then she went back on it, right? And, and her mother even flew there, I think, and they wouldn't. they wouldn't let her in. And yeah. they would say, like, your mother is never allowed here, even though her mother was in a room over or something. I don't know. It's it's a case I definitely would like to cover because I find it very fascinating. I think it's insane if people don't find if people find Amanda Knox guilty, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't think that was her. But when you look at Jody, there really is so much evidence. There exactly. Is, it's not like a framed thing and it's or not like she a was innocent. Yeah, it's like pretty clear she was stalking him. She was. And like the things that line up like, yeah, I'll take you to go and get your new tire car, your new t- your car that's fixed up with new tires. Mm-hmm. You're going to go and see Lisa? Are you fucking kidding? And then his tires are flashed again. Yeah. And when, um, what's her name? Was it Sky in the house? And she opened the door and she yeah, was her, Sky and her husband, Chris, were literally like, Travis, we are worried about you. We don't think you should see Jody anymore. She's a nut bar. Wait, what was that sound? <laughs> Opens the door, and, and Jody is there. Who had heard all of it? It doesn't help. Jody no. did it. Jody did it a hundred percent. She'll never admit it. She'll go to her grave saying that it was self defense. Oh my god! Imagine she was like literally in her deathbed and was like, "I did," and then died just to be like that. If she did that, I think that she would have like dementia or something. <laughs> like. She'll never consciously say that she did it because she was sick and tired of being used and whatever. Mm-mm. No one deserves to die. Nobody deserves you to be don't... murdered by yeah. a psycho woman who just is insecure. But you don't have the right to t- like take anyone's no. life to play God in any way. Nope. Like, just don't. So it was a dysfunctional relationship. Travis was was not the most mature person in handling any sort of. Uh, relationship that way mm-hmm. so that's when you as another grown-up adult say mm-hmm. i don't like how i'm being treated here i'm gonna take a step back i'm gonna assess myself I'm gonna see what i need and what i want and what i don't like mm-hmm. 
And I'm going to take those things to, into account, find a partner who meets the criteria uh, that I, I have for myself and for what I want. You don't be a Jody. Don't be a Jody. Never be a Jody. And that, lovely listeners, is the story of how a heartless, murdering ghoul <laughs> got exactly what she deserved. It's good when that happens. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. Rate, follow, and share the show. Follow us on Instagram at Dark Adaptation Podcast. Visit our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch your spooky asses on the dark side. Bye. Oh, bye. I loved the beanbag chair that we had as kids. Did we have a beanbag chair? It was one in the living room for quite a while. It was like an ugly green color. Oh my god. It was big. Well, I was I was like four, probably. I do I was not really, remember uh, the beanbag. I know that we had an inflatable furniture. Yeah. Purple, right? Yeah, there was a yeah. purple and there was pink and one that was like I think supposed to have flowers on it but it didn't look like it was yeah. they didn't look like flowers it was very 2000s we got it at from um a, the from, HG Brown yeah the yeah. Christmas party I wonder if that spiked huh what are you doing on there okay that's where I farted there we go oh oh we wanted to play back on my fart oh no, we don't really. No. <laughs> hey, we wanted to play that. I know that was a possibility, a slim chance in a parallel universe somewhere, but certain. Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you play something? That scared the shit out of me and I was trying to be Jody. I didn't know there was audio. <laughs> it was like a quick something. Oh my god, that scared me. Okay. Mute your shit. <laughs> I have to do it again. I was really in the mindset of Jody.